Welcome back to another episode of Peter's Proffer here in the courtroom of current events. And today we're going to be talking about PPP loan fraud. It's up in the news recently because an NFL player named Joshua Bellamy, a wide receiver for the Jets, was just indicted on a $24 million scheme to defraud using the coronavirus relief plan known as the Paycheck Protection Plan. We're going to talk about that case, but we're also going to talk about, generally speaking, what's illegal about the actions that some of these people have taken to commit fraud to get this PPP money, and why the PPP orders and laws and executive orders coming down from the president and the government are so easily taken advantage of and why people are trying to do this and what the federal government is doing to combat it. So we're going to jump into all that today. I've got my dad, George Tragos, on with me. He is the criminal law king here in the firm. He knows everything there is to know about criminal law. He prosecuted these types of cases and he's defended these types of cases. So we're going to dive into this with him and, and get his perspective on what's going on and what is going to be in the near future for our country, for all the people that tried to pull a scheme to defraud to get some of this PPP money. Um, if you guys are new to the podcast, this is called Peter's Proffer. My name is Peter Tragos. I'm an attorney in Clearwater, Florida. We also have a YouTube page known as The Lawyer You Know, where we answer questions people ask us in the community and around the country. We just try to be a resource to anyone who wants to listen. If you have a question or want to connect with us, you can find us on all social media platforms. Our handle is at Tragos Law. That's T-R-A-G-O-S-L-A-W. We'd love to connect with you there. So reports came in this weekend about Josh Bellamy, who plays for the New York Jets. He's actually been recently released um, because he had an alleged role in a $24 million scheme to receive illegal loans intended for coronavirus relief. Um, this was reported by ESPN that he received over $1.2 million himself for his company Drip Entertainment LLC that he supposedly spent um, $62,000 in loan money at Seminole Hard Rock Casino in here in Florida, and then also spent $104,000 on luxury goods, including purchases at Dior, Gucci, and various jewelers. Um, and he withdrew over $300,000 in cash. So he basically got this money fraudulently that was put into place for coronavirus relief, spent it on all this stuff that was just basically squandered, and now he's being indicted. So dad, how does this type of case work um, when, when you're getting investigated for some kind of it's wire fraud, bank fraud, money laundering um, all sorts of different kinds of fraudulent activity. How does that work when an investigation kind of comes down the pipe? Well, the apparently the assistant attorney general in charge of the criminal division at the Department of Justice has concentrated on these cases because you see his name on all the press releases. So far, we've got about 40 people that have been indicted by the federal government for PPP fraud, and I'm sure it's going to grow. Bellamy is just an example. If you use him as an example, you find out that what they're looking at is they're looking at individuals that send in false reports about how many people work for their company. They may not even have a company and how the money is spent. It's interesting since we don't have to account for the money yet. That date hasn't come where we have to send in word you spend your PPP, that they're already looking at people and they found out that he spent his money on personal luxury expenses. So even before he had to send in his numbers, they were looking at him uh, to investigate him. So that makes me think there's something else going on with him 
Because if you look at the other people that have been indicted, there was normally something else going on with these other Meaning people. Meaning what? When you say something else going on, some other criminal activity? Right. Well, for instance, one of them, the guy took this PPP money and he had a fine for a prior fraud case. And he took his PPP money paid the fine. and paid the fine on his prior fraud case. So if they have some kind of information that you owe money somewhere and then all of a sudden you get to pay that money right after you get the PPP loan, that's a red flag. Right. Shockingly, there are people that were under indictment for other crimes that got PPP money. Well, it was just a free-for-all. I mean, we talk about this. We, we did a ton of podcasts with other experts about the PPP loan and how easy it was kind of to get and how much fraud was going to take place when these aren't even real companies or especially not companies that needed it. Well, now those fraudulent cases are coming down the pipe. So that's what we're going to kind of dive into today. Why don't you talk about some of the interesting factors that are coming down with some of these people that are getting indicted for PPP fraud? Well, they get their PPP money and then the government all of a sudden sees them pay some other government issue. For instance, back payments on child support. That's regulated by the state. So all of a sudden, people who couldn't pay their child support are paying $100,000 in, pay in back child support. You have a fraud fine from a prior case. You're on supervised release. Well, when you're on supervised release, you've got to tell your probation officer where your money is coming from and where is it going. So this guy's on supervised release, and he's reporting his PPP money, and he's using it to pay fines. So there's normally something else connected with these investigations, or these people are already under fraud investigation. Uh, another thing is, it's easy to check, they do fraudulent W-2s to show their prior company's uh, employment. Well, that's easy to check because the government has your W-2s from 2019. Right. And if your company had no employees and no W-2s, and all of a sudden you're submitting employees and W-2s, easy cross-reference for the government's computers. And they couldn't possibly check them all at the time that these companies were getting PPP loans. But now that they kind of have a second to think and see how all the money went through the pipeline, they can see and cross-check things like that, like you're talking about with the W-2s and with business reporting in the past, does it match what you reported when you applied for your PPP loan? Right, and you have a company or something where it really isn't a very successful company, you're losing money, then all of a sudden you're buying a Rolls Royce, you're paying sales tax on the purchase of the Rolls Royce, you're buying a luxury yacht, um, and these are things that are happening. These are actual <laughs> cases that are happening. People are finding out that in South Carolina, a guy was used his PPP money to buy heroin and amphetamines. Uh, because, How do they prove that? I mean, he had to admit that, I would assume. Well, he's buying the heroin. He had no, the only money he has is his PPP money. So where'd the money come from to buy the heroin? His PPP money. He had no assets and no income other than that. I guess. So he just like totally made up an application for the PPP, it had no, no verifiable facts on it. So it's going to be crazy. So we're going to hear crazy stories of what oh. people are spending this money on. Well, they found another guy who actually made a business of falsifying PPP applications. He would go around and say, look, I can get you your give me PPP 10%. money. Give me 10%. So he got kickbacks from all the companies that he submitted PPP applications for. False PPP applications. Yes. Yeah. So, right. so, yeah, I mean, it's uh, everybody, you know, I think that everybody realized, and I think we said this before in our prior podcast, this is a program that was ripe for fraud. Right. The controls were very loose. You've got to go to banks to get this. They were issuing SBA loans. There was no government oversight for these loans. Nobody was checking anything for these loans. So it just was really easy to get. On the other hand, if it wasn't real easy to get, 
then the economy would really be in the tank because 5 million people got the benefit of the PPP loans. Well, one of the things we were wondering is how much they were going to prosecute these. And it seems like they are starting to now drop the hammer, at least for the egregious ones like the ones you're talking about. And I think that's what you'll find. You'll find there'll be a pattern of who they indict. But if you had a business that wasn't actually losing money and they gave you a PPP loan, they're probably not going to come indict you. Right. In fact, they have said, I think the number was 150000 They're not even going to check on the loans for less than $150,000 to even find out if they had any issues. Right. So I, I really think the government, you know, you're looking at 5 million loans. I don't think the government is, oh, there, oh, here's another good one. This guy got a PPP loan, then falsified his 2019 tax return so he can get the $1,200 that they're also sending the people who made under $75,000. Oh, so he got both. He so wanted he both, both government benefits. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, these bunch of, they really, when they have a lot of ingenuity when they put their mind to it, you know, as opposed to trying to put it towards working harder. He's just trying to get, you know, more more uh, government relief funds. That that became the business for some right. of these people. So so what are they looking at? What what are the potential punishments? What are the potential charges? What, what crimes would these actions fit into? Well, if we take a look at Bellamy, if we start with him, uh, they have charged him with bank fraud, wire fraud, and conspiracy to commit wire fraud and bank fraud. Well, bank fraud is real easy because all these loans had to go through a bank. And we talked about that when we right. talked about the PPP. Right. So they charged that and the wire fraud. What I'm really surprised at, and it may come, uh, by the way, Bellamy is a St. Petersburg mm-hmm. uh, resident. Yeah, that's uh, why it was Seminole Hard Rock over here. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I'm really surprised about, and it may come later, is they haven't charged Bellamy with money laundering. And money laundering is an easy one also because if you put any cash or money through a bank, that becomes money laundering. And that's got a a 20-year sentence. And that's what I was going to ask. So what's the difference for anybody listening between bank fraud, wire fraud, and just regular fraud? Why do they put the specificity on it as opposed to just charging someone with fraud? Well, that's so they can stack the penalties. Because you can put one on top of the other. This one's ten. This one's ten. We'll, we'll talk about that. 20. So, so when bank fraud is is a worse crime than just regular fraud, right? Okay, why? Well, we don't have a regular fraud in federal court. Okay, you've got to have a federal nexus. Right. So you've got to have a bank or why? Wire is, fraud. Why does a bank have a federal nexus? I think because, we've talked about this yes. before on a podcast. But let's they're rehash federally, it. They're federally insured and right. federally regulated, connected to the federal government. The federal government is the one actually getting screwed right. when you commit in, this crime. In That's fact, basically there, the point. There are some banks that are state licensed, mm-hmm. so you can't have a federal bank fraud on a state licensed bank. But that, those are very few and far right. between. Then you have wire fraud. Wire fraud is a federal crime because telecommunications in this country is crosses state lines. You can't just have one state with a telephone. So that's wire fraud. So they can stack that on top. And then you use conspiracy, which means an agreement to commit a crime. An agreement to commit a crime is a separate crime in the United States. So right. That, 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 that crime on. doesn't even have to occur just for you to conspire to commit a crime. And you and you do a an act toward the completion. What do they call that? Is it inchoate, inchoate crimes inchoate. or something? Inchoate crimes, yeah. Um, so that's just, yeah, taking steps towards committing the crime. Even if you don't actually commit the crime, you can get charged with right. conspiracy. So he may have had other people he was allegedly going to go in and do more fraudulent transactions with. So you said they can stack these crimes on top of each other. What are the, some of the potential penalties that people could be looking at for committing these federal crimes? Well, money laundering is 20 years. Uh, I believe they have done wire fraud up to 20 years now. Uh, so you can stack these up. But you did ask a question before that, that I think is really important. And that is, what's the kind of a common denominator? What are they really looking for? when they're doing these crimes, they're looking at these people. 
most all of the ones, and I and I looked at all of the forty, uh, just briefly, all the forty cases they brought so far. The all common connection was they either were prior criminals, were in the middle of another kind of crime, or this crime was an obvious crime that was easy to cross check. I think the average person who makes a good faith effort of taking the money, using it for what it's meant to be used for, doesn't have anything to worry about. Or put 10 full-time employees, and really you have eight full-time and two part-time, but you made that mistake. They're not going to come get you. No. They're not going to come send you to jail for 20 years. But no, but when they that. can find obvious fraud like these we're talking about, if they're true, if they end up proving their case. And let's talk about that for a second. What does the government actually have to prove in these bank fraud and wire fraud cases when it comes down to the PPP? that the money was used in some type of a, a scheme to defraud where they actually lied to somebody. For instance, on the bank fraud, they obviously lied on the application for the PPP. Well, you submitted that to your bank. So you submitted a false document to the bank, so that becomes bank fraud. So you, you knowingly misrepresented something in order to get this money from the government. Yes, and they have to prove it's a material misrepresentation. In other words, if you've missed a period or a quotation right. mark, that doesn't matter. It can't be accidental, and it can't be something that doesn't matter, right? right. It's got to be material, meaning it matters, and you have to knowingly do it on purpose to defraud the government out of this money. And again, in all these cases, there's just no question that the allegation is something really, really material was done for them to cheat to get this money. Right. And we're not saying there's there's no um, question that they did it. We're just saying there's no question that what is alleged by the government would fall under these crimes that we're talking about. And in addition to the penalties talking about prison time, they also have to pay back all this PPP loan money that they stole. Right. right? That's a, That'll also be a condition of probation. And the amount of money they stole makes a difference in how long their sentence is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have federal sentencing guidelines. For instance, um, when we talk about Mr. Bellamy, the total amount in his scheme was alleged to be $24 million. $24 million. All right. Although he may have only gotten $1,265,000, right. they used the $24 million figure when they're going to sentence him because that was the purpose of the entire scheme. He may only have been one person in the scheme, which he was only one person of, of many people, but they're going to use the total amount when they figure out what his sentencing guideline is. So what do you expect now going forward? We have 40-some-odd cases that have already happened. What do you expect this to look like going forward with this PPP fraud? Well, you've got to start from the fact that even in Bellamy's case, the press release came out from the Department of Justice in Washington, Brian Rabbit, who, again, is the acting uh, associate attorney general. The word has gone out to all the U.S. attorney's offices that they're going to have an influx of all this uh, illegal activity once people start reporting how they spent the money. Remember, we haven't done that yet. So once they start reporting how to spend the money, they're going to take a look at those reports. They're going to cross-check them with other federal databases to see how they, you know, W-2s, those kinds of things, to see how they cross-check. Once they cross-check, then we're going to start to have some uh, crimes charged. But I also think we can't ignore crimes will only be the most serious. There may be some civil actions by the government to recover money or just to have people pay fines who may have done something wrong on their applications. But the criminal cases, I think those will only be the most egregious cases because they just don't have the manpower to probably prosecute every one of the five million people that may have committed some kind of crime. 
Plus, if you look at the numbers on these 40 people, it's actually a very small percentage of the total loan amount that went it's out. It's less than like just Shake Shack got probably, right? Right. I mean, it's, it's, just, it's a very small right. amount. Yeah, the percentage of fraud so far has been small. So we'll keep an eye out for how this kind of goes in the future if it keeps going down this same line. Now you know kind of what to look for and see if all those other um, people that reports come out have these similarities that the first 40 some odd cases have. Um, hopefully you guys learned something about the PPP loan fraud today, and hopefully we catch you on our next episode. Thanks for listening.